Amen. Take a copy of God's Word, if you will, this morning and turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we'll focus this morning on verses 11 through 13. The church. I believe it is the epicenter of God's mission and ministry. I'm, I'm convinced that the local church is the place where you can find what God is doing. Now listen, when you look at the New Testament, you'll see the word church used many different times. This idea of the called out ones. You'll see it used over and over. But almost exclusively, with just very few exceptions, you'll find that the word church in the New Testament identifies a local group of believers. Like a local group of individuals who come together to fellowship and to worship and to carry out God's plan together. There's something about being a part of a local church that God honors. And let me say to you, I am so grateful that God gives us the opportunity to belong together here at Temple Baptist Church. For us to be the temple family to come together. Then that's not discounting any other church. Don't get me wrong. There are other great churches here in our community. Great churches in our straight state. Great churches in our nation. But I am proud and I am grateful to be a part of this body. A group of individuals who seek the Lord and who somehow want to serve Him daily. Well, if you're proud to be a part of a local church... If you recognize the significance of that, then I believe that God has called you and he has called me to pray for the church. We prayed for a lot of things. The last few weeks we've talked about prayer and God perhaps has oriented our hearts toward him and somehow has called us to a spirit of intercession for many different people. But I would say to you today specifically that God is calling us to pray for the local church, for us to pray for one another. I want, to, I want you to see today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 as Paul really offers this prayer to God on behalf of the Thessalonian church. Some people have called this the prayer wish because if you look at these verses, you look at the grammatical construction, you'll find it in the wish mood or the prayer mood. In other words, right in the midst of his writing, Paul inserts this prayer for the church. And I love it because I think in some way it helps us to focus our prayers for the church as well. Look in verse 11. As Paul writes, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now here, Paul breaks out into prayer. He's writing, he's speaking to them, and he says, this is my hope, this is my prayer, this is my aim for you. And notice that he goes to God himself. It says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to delve into this too much, but it does remind us a little bit about our prayer life. When we go to God in prayer, we go to Him knowing that He has the power, 
He has the ability to make a difference in who we are. And here in this passage, it says that we can go to the Father. We can go to Christ. I would say to you in the New Testament, it also teaches us that we can go to the Holy Spirit. Because each one, being distinct persons of the Godhead, each one has the power to work on our behalf. I say I'm not going to dwell here this morning, but I just want to point out that here, where, where are my grammarians? None. They were all here Easter. None of them came back today. A few of them. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Here, you have, you have a plural subject. If you have a plural subject, what do you have to have on the verb? Plural verb, right? Usually. But not here. You have a singular verb. Why? Because God the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ... We understand distinct persons, but there is one God. Even in this passage, you are being taught something about the Trinity. And I haven't delved into this much, and I'm not going to today, but I'm going to say to you, when you go to God in prayer, you can pray to the Father, you can pray to Jesus, you can pray to the Holy Spirit, you can go and you can pray knowing that each person of the Trinity hears your prayer and is able to work on your behalf. Now that I got that out of my system. (laughs) Notice how he prays and what he prays for. I think basically as you look at verse 11 and verse 12 in particular. Paul says that I pray for you that you will increase and abound in love. So let me just encourage us, okay? This is the first truth I just want to get across to you this morning. When you go to God in prayer and you pray for the church... Pray that we will grow in love. Pray that we will grow in love. He prays, God, would you increase, would you abound the church's love for one another and to all? It is within the church, I said, that we find Service. It is where we find our focus. It is where we find the idea of missions and ministry truly carried out. Well, I do believe in a classic universal church. I believe it is the local group of believers that, that will carry out God's purpose and God's plan. And it is in that local context that you also experience life-giving relationships. It is within the church where you find that love relationship, that Christian love relationship together within the church. God has not called us to be isolated Christians. God has not called us to somehow try to remove ourselves from the relationships around us. He's not called us to to somehow um, take up residence in some distant land away from everybody else and he's not called us to somehow find a tower and just lock ourselves in. That's not what he's called us to do. He has called us to live in relationship with one another. And how awesome is that? That you and I can experience our walk together, that we can experience what Christ is doing in us together That we can come and worship together. 
It's not just an individual experience. It is the corporate experience of the church. It is the relationships that you have within the church. Now, when I say to you that God has called us to love one another, certainly, and that we ought to pray that our love would abound and increase for the church, I'm talking about specific people. I'm talking about flesh and blood. I am grateful we have the facilities that we do here. I'm grateful for all that comes with it, especially the air conditioning, even though today we could probably do without it, right? I'm grateful for all those things. But this building is not the church. This sanctuary is not the church. When you go to the education building or the education parts of this building, you will not find the church in the brick and mortar. No. The church is living and breathing. The church is flesh and blood. The church, the church is you. The church is me. We are the church. And when we talk about loving the church, we love people. And we know that we have relationships together. Again, I love being able to kind of come in this sanctuary sometimes and just sit in solitude, maybe come to the altar and pray. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But you know what is greater? Is to know that I have people who are walking with me through this journey. Individuals who love me and are there for me as I'm going through difficulty. And I'm there for them as they're going through difficulty. And those relationships build. I can talk to people. Listen, I can't talk. Well, some of you think I probably could talk to a wall. But I can't talk to a wall and expect a response. I'm not going to grow in my biblical knowledge by simply talking to a wall. But when I sit in a Sunday school class and I ask questions and I see the relationships that are there, somehow I might be able to grow. God has placed us in the context of the local church. And what he wants us to do is to experience the relationships that come with it. And that is the reason we ought to pray that God would help us abound and increase in our love. There are so many people, some who may be watching this television broadcast next week, who would love to be in a local church to be able to see people and experience the relationships. Just this last week, I was visiting somebody in Baton Rouge, and they thanked us for our television broadcast because of their parents who are here in the, in the community, and they've been going through some difficulty, and they haven't been able to go to their own church, and they've been watching so I understand that there are people who do that. But let me say to you that so many of those, they would be right here or they would be in their local church if they could. Because while it is great to be able to study and hear through the television medium, there's nothing about television or technology, websites. I, there's nothing about that that really connects us the way we should be connected relationally in a local church. And I would say to those, let me just, you can check out just a moment, okay? Don't give you that opportunity too much. You can check out a moment. But I want to say to those that are watching on the television broadcast, if you don't have a local church and you're just counting on television or some other means to somehow fulfill your spiritual needs, you will never see your spiritual needs met. If you can, that is, if you can physically 
go. You need to find a local church somewhere, wherever you are. All right, all of you back in with me now? He prays that their love would increase. He recognizes the relationships that are there. The word for love here is the agape word, the agape verb, the agape love that is there. That that type of agape committed type of love would somehow abound among the church of the Lord Jesus. Now, there are different words for love in the Greek language. Uh, Sometimes there's not a great difference or you can't differentiate between the different words when you're looking through the passages. But in this one, I think you can see this special, unique, committed, sacrificial love that we are to have to one another. It is that type of love that should abound and increase. Now, this doesn't mean, doesn't mean that they weren't loving people. They were. Later on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, he writes to them and he says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So listen to what Paul said. Paul said, hey, I'm not saying you don't love people. As a matter of fact, you are doing a good job at loving folks. And your love is noted throughout Macedonia itself. He said, I'm not saying you're not loving one another. But what I would say to you is love people more and more. Increase more and more in your heart and in your life. I think God has given us a great loving church. I'm always amazed at how people step up when others are in need. How people are willing to pray, encourage. Hey, when people are willing to show up at your door with a casserole. I still think there's got to be something about the casserole ministry that we've got to write about in church history one day. I think think we are a loving people, but we should never be content at where we are. We should pray for one another that we would love each other more and more and more and that it would increase and abound. When we pray to God, we recognize His love example. Again, in those verses I just read, it said, For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So in other words, when I'm praying to God and I said, God, I want you to help us as a church to love each other more and more. When I'm praying that prayer and I'm praying to Him, I recognize He is the supreme example of love. As a matter of fact, love is one of His intrinsic attributes. You can't take it away from God. It's a permanent characteristic of who He is. He has shown us how we love one another. When He sent His one and only Son on our behalf, to pay the ultimate sacrifice. That was a demonstration of love. So I learned my love, the characteristics of love, I learned that from God Himself. And somehow, 
we see God increasing that love as we follow his example. But also, Paul, back in the verses we read, verse 12, Paul gives himself as an example. Paul says, just as we do to you. In other words, we want to see the love in your hearts and lives, and that's what we're praying for, because we ourselves have been examples of that love to you. Paul had founded this church. On the second missionary journey, he had basically founded this church. You can go back to the book of Acts and read the account. It's tremendous to know God's power, how it works, how it calls people to him. Literally, they turned the world upside down in Thessalonica with the gospel. So he had been there. He had founded them. He loved them. He had ministered. And that's what you see earlier in this letter back in the second chapter, he'll talk about as a loving parent, he had been there for them, to nurture them, to guide them, to help them. He loved them. As he had expressed his love for them through prayer. Well, verse 10 of chapter 3, he said, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face. He was praying. Here, the passage we have is a prayer for them. Hey, when you love somebody, you'll pray for them. Paul prayed for them. He loved them. He wrote to them. Here we are reading a letter that Paul penned to the Thessalonians. Why? Because he loved them. He didn't just abandon them. After he founded the church, he prayed for them and he wrote to them. And you'll find that in Paul's heart and other places where he writes to churches. Because he wants to help them in their journey with the Lord. So he writes to them. And obviously here, he wants to visit them. Right? Verse 11, he said, Hey, I'm praying that God and Jesus Christ, that they will direct our way to you. Literally, it means to, to lead us to you, to remove all the barriers. Chapter 2, verse 18, it said that Satan had done something to prevent them from coming back to the church at Thessalonica. So he's saying, God, I want to see them. Hey, when you love folks, you ought, to be, you ought to be pumped up about seeing them. I, I still believe that Sunday morning for us is the Super Bowl event of the week. Now, I'm not saying it's the only place ministry and missions takes place. It shouldn't be. As a matter of fact, we should be about the ministry and missions every day. And what we do on Sunday morning is just come together to celebrate what God has done during that week. We encourage one another. We worship with one another. We challenge one another. It is coming together in this great moment and event where we see our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul said, I want to see you. I love you. I'm hoping to come back to you. You see, Paul had given them an example. Christ had given them an example. They had all kinds of examples. Listen, I believe we've had all kinds of examples. It's not, it's not that we don't know how. It, it's not that we've not seen the way. Sometimes it's just the simple act of demonstrating love to one another. 
just a few months ago, we were meeting, I guess, uh, our staff, and we were talking about different things, especially on the evangelism front of witnessing. And while I am all for witness training as we uh, try to disciple individuals to reach people, I, I about decided that most of us, we know how to, we know the strategies. We've been through Share Jesus Without Fear. We've been through uh, the life circles. We've been through a, a lot of these different things. It's not an issue of us knowing. It's an issue of us doing. And you know, for us, we have seen what love looks like. It's not an issue of knowing what love looks like. Sometimes it is just the simple fact of loving somebody else. Demonstrating that love. Sacrificing ourselves. Getting down on our knees to serve one another. That is love. We ought to be able to say ourselves, we love the church. Before we even pray, God, help us to increase and abound in love toward one another. We need to start with ourselves and say, God, help us to love the church. I can't imagine this again, that somebody could walk through their whole life as a Christ follower and yet be separated from the local church of believers. I can't grasp that. I can't grasp individuals who say, well, I love Christ, but, you know, the church, that's a different thing. No. I love the church because Christ loved the church. And he was in love with the church in such a way that he was able and willing to give himself up for it. What a love. I'm going to tell you, we ought to be able to confess freely and proudly we love the church. And then we ought to pray that God would decisively increase and abound our love toward one another. I love those words, increase and abound. It's kind of like the idea of just overflowing, just like it boils over. Now, most of the time, we're not excited when something boils over. We've got a pot on the stove. It starts boiling over. We don't get too excited. Or we get excited, but we're not very appreciative of it. Leslie had been gone a couple of weekends because of her mom and some things going on with her. So we were in charge of cooking. Thanks be to God, there are certain people that kind of showed up to save my kids during those weekends. But a time or two, I did say, hey, you know what? I can cook these turnip greens myself. I can fix these peas. Yes, that's what they were going to eat as long as I was in charge. I said, that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> it was quite an event. I ended up having to spend two days to clean the stove where things are just kind of... We're not always excited about things boiling over. But let me say to you, we ought to get excited about love boiling over into our church relationships. That we ought to increase. Hey, you and I, it's almost like that Satan would try to keep a lid on that love. And he can't even do it because we are so hot with the passionate love for Christ and the passionate love for others that it just simply, it simply overflows. It simply boils over. You can't keep it in. May we pray that we would be believers who would boil over in love 
for one another and for all. He says to one another and to all. So get this. The idea is when you increase and abound in your love for one another, when you fulfill the work of Christ in you, when people can see. Yes, remember Jesus said the defining mark of the believer is their love for one another. That's how they would know that we are believers is our love for one another. When that happens, when all this comes together and it boils over, it goes into the community itself to all. You cannot keep a lid upon what is happening here in our people, but it will flow into the community. It is not an either or to love the church or the community. God has called us to increase and abound in our love for one another. When I was at Zachary, we... um, we developed these uh, yard signs. I think one of my staff members had come up with this idea. He had seen it done, I think, when he was up in Shreveport some years ago. And we came up with these yard signs. It said, I love my church. First Zachary. People put it out in some places. Some of our subdivisions, you know, they're a little bit more... Um, I better not go there. But they, they wouldn't allow those to happen. But, you know, uh, we put those yard signs out and all of this and it was kind of neat you could see where your people lived and all that kind of stuff and people would drive by the church across the street I guess took offense to it and out kind of on their sign in front of the church they put we love our neighbor I was like, okay, I think I know where that's coming from. But Hey, it's not an either or. You love the church, you love your neighbor. You love the church, you love the community. It's not an either or proposition. Why have we made it that? When we love people, we should just simply love them. And yes, there are going to be some people that it's hard to love. But I believe that anything God can do, prayer can do. And when we pray that God would give us the strength to love somebody else, only God then can give us that strength. But he can give it to us. That we would love people that we cannot love on our own. May God increase us. May he abound us in his love. Now let me say this second truth. And yes, I only have two. And I'm watching the clock. I know. Pray. Not only that we grow in love, but pray that we grow in holiness. Pray that we grow in holiness itself. Notice that holiness here is rooted in love. He says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless... In holiness. So follow that. You are loving each other more and more, loving the community, and somehow from that, you are able to grow in holiness. Establish your hearts. The heart means basically all of the person, the will, the emotion, all that we are. Establish means to fix in place. So get this. We pray that we would grow in love in such a way that God would fix our whole beings in place. In what place? In the place of holiness. 
that we would be fixed there, that we would be located in holiness itself. Holy means to be set aside. It means to be different. God in the Old Testament had said to his people, you be holy because I'm holy. Peter repeated that to New Testament believers when he said, again, just as God is holy, so are you to be holy. We're to be different. We're to be different. Listen, this is an area we need a lot of prayer. The, the lifestyles of our churches today, in many ways they are no different from the world. It is a sad commentary on who we are. But Jesus had said that we're not of the world. We don't find our substance there. We don't find our strength there. We may live in the world, but we're on a mission sent to the world. And somehow we are to demonstrate holiness. We're to be different. We're to be set apart. Listen, I need you to pray. I need you to pray this week. Lord, make our pastor holy. Help him grow in holiness. You need me to pray for you. You need other brothers and sisters to lift you up. I'm going to tell you, we need prayer for holiness. So that we are set apart and we're different. It is God's will. Chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is the process of growing in holiness. To look more like Jesus each day. So we pray for one another. That we would grow in such a way that we would be set apart. That we would be different. I was reading this week. I came across this by Ian Bounds and I wanted to share it with you this morning. Ian Bounds, as he was writing on the concept of prayer and specifically holiness, he said... The church is presumed to be righteous and should be engaged in turning men to righteousness. The church is God's factory on earth. Its primary duty is to create and foster righteous character. This is its very first business. Primarily, its work is not to acquire members or amass numbers. Its aim is not to get money or engage in deeds of charity or works of mercy. Its work is to produce righteousness of character and purity of the outward life. A righteous church with a righteous purpose makes righteous men. We are to pray that we would be true to our purpose of producing holiness and righteousness in who we are. God is more concerned about our holiness than He is about our happiness. Although happiness follows holiness. And God wants to work in us and we're to pray. Hey, that also means we're not perfect. We're not. You and I, we haven't arrived yet. We're not finished products. We're still on a journey. That means God is still working in our lives to sanctify us. So that means we need some prayer. That we would keep growing in him. Jesus, in the longest recorded prayer 
of his earthly ministry, John 17. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Grow them in holiness through your truth. He prayed for us that would be united in those ways. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12, all about basically purity, walking in holiness. We need to pray for one another. Prayer doesn't always change our circumstances, but I believe it changes us through our circumstances. Prayer doesn't always remove us from where we think we should be, but what prayer does is allow, it allows God to work in our hearts and lives to produce holiness and righteousness. And let me encourage you in this way. Oswald Chambers said, God never gives us discernment so that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. When you discern that others are failing your Lord, pray for them. And pray that you do not join them. When people are failing, when they're stumbling, bow your knee and pray for them. Pray that God would work in their lives and bring them to a sense of holiness. And pray especially as we see the coming of Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, he places this prayer. He places this idea of holiness in the context of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice again what he says. God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, increase us, bless us, abound us in love so that we may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to grow in holiness as a church and as a people until Jesus Christ returns. We want to be ready. Now, let me say to you that I recognize, I recognize that when I stand before God one day, I only stand in the righteousness of Christ, not my own. I'm clothed in his righteousness. And thanks be to God, he looks at that and he deems that worthy. Christ's righteousness. I can stand before him in that salvation. But until then, I want to grow ethically. I want to grow in my holiness. I want to grow that I look more like him each and every day. I want to prepare appropriately for his coming. Hey, Many of you, you prepare when people come to your house, don't you? Last week, some of you had folks in for Easter, and you had to get ready and get things kind of cleaned up, things over in a certain area. Some, you know, every time my uh, folks come, or not mine because they don't come to Ruston too much, but Leslie's mom or somebody else comes, we try to get ready, try to make the appropriate arrangements, right? You want to kind of make sure things are cleaner and all of that. Jesus is coming again. You can bank on it. He's coming again. And what we're taught over and over in the New Testament is that we need to prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves 
as we grow in holiness. In the New Testament time, when the Roman emperor would come into town, they knew he was coming. They would clean the town. They would decorate. They would get ready. You can imagine if somebody, uh, uh, a leader would come through us, we'd, we'd have everything out. We'd be ready. We'd be prepared. And Paul prays and he says, may this church be prepared as they live lives of holiness. He echoes it, and I close with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. As he's addressing husbands, actually, listen to the, listen to the context again. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That Christ Jesus has done such a work in our lives and that he is continuing to sanctify us and make us what he wants us to be so that one day we'll be able to see our groom coming. And as a victorious church, we will stand before him prepared, ready, washed, cleansed, prepared for him. Would you join me in praying? God, make us a church that is prepared. God, grow us in holiness. God, two things. And there's so many other things we could pray for. There are. But I would just say to you, at least these two. God, grow us in love. Grow us in holiness. So that we might be the people you've called us to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for the word that you have spoken to us. Help us to be people who will pray for one another to pray by name, Lord, that you would increase in us the love that we should have. God, I pray that you would help us to live holy lives and produce that within us daily. God, thank you for this church. And may we ever be faithful to who you are and to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.